We all have gifts from God. We all have callings from God. Some of us knows exactly what it is. Others don't. That's okay. Doesn't matter. But gifts and callings are goals from God that makes part of his plan to fulfill his plan he's got for all of us on earth. If you look at big companies, they've also got business plans, they've got missions, they've got visions in place. And to achieve the missions, they put goals in place. One person can't do that alone. They allocate the names to certain people within the company to achieve or action those goals. Why do they do that? For the business to succeed. But God's also got a plan. He's also got a mission and he's got a vision. And he's got goals in place to achieve that, to fulfill his purpose, his plan for the common good. He allocates names, my name, your name, not just Phil's name or Kathy's name, everyone's name next to it. He gives us free will, free choice to either partake and complete our goal or not to do it. When we decide not to do it, he doesn't say, you're gone. You're not part of my plan anymore. I don't want to know about you. Nothing. No. That's not who God is. He's a God of love. When God wrote my name next to my goal, which I believe I know what it is, I decided to go on a journey with Jesus. I decided to follow him, to be led by him, to worship him, and to learn more about him. <laughs> it's not always been easy. I can promise you that. Because as I'm standing here, I'm a sinner. And I'm not perfect. Please don't ask my family more information about it. <laughs> I must zip it. <laughs> my biggest downfall of obstacles in life currently... It's my mouth, a little bit, but patience. The dear Lord didn't give me enough patience in this world. I'll give you an example. Once a week I need to drive through to Hamilton. If you know Kaikatia Drive, that's the worst one. They test your patience. It's, what, it's all these lines. You get two lines. And when they come in to one lane, you're supposed to use the zip method. You know, give way. No, no, it's pushing. Who can be ahead of you all the time? Sure. The Lord says, bless those people. No. First slide. I want that vehicle. I've been asking I've been hinting and Ken says, no. <laughs> they will not push in again. That will be their last time. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. We can. <laughs> and speakers. Yeah. But I've been told, for God to love me, I need to be perfect. I need to repent, be perfect, and turn away from my sins. That's one sin. Patience. So does that mean God doesn't love me because I'm not perfect? Yeah, I know he died on the cross for me. I'm working on my patience. I am. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Learn. (laughs) Does that make me bad that God doesn't love me? No. I'm not the only one who goes through struggles in life. I've known friends who, spat, who struggles with alcohol. They drink. They've been asking for help. They went for help. And when they're getting better, they actually turn to God and to ask him to help them. But when you're in a bad place, you can ask God for help. And you don't, you feel rejected. You don't feel he's helping you. Although he is there, you just don't feel that. Why? Because you don't feel good enough. You don't feel perfect enough for him to love you. We all make wrong choices in life. We get scars from that, and then we carry those scars with us. But those scars actually becomes blockages that prevents us from building up a personal relationship with Jesus. And you think Jesus is not close to you, because that's what the enemy is putting in your, in your head but it's not. We need to build with a relationship with Jesus. We need to know Jesus. We need to reconcile with Jesus. Why do we need that? Because God said the only way to him is through Jesus. And we read that in slide 2 where it says in John 3, no, 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Satan doesn't want us to reconcile with Jesus. He doesn't want us to build that relationship with Jesus. He doesn't want us to do anything with Jesus because then he wins. How does he do it? He reminds you of what you've done. He reminds you you're not good enough. He reminds me of your obstacles. And you're not perfect. And it's not so. Satan is a thief. We read it in John 10, 10, where it says, Satan come to kill, steal, and destroy. And that makes us believe we're not perfect. My hearing for tonight 
is not perfect. Four years ago, we moved into Tiamutu, into this house. <laughs> Just wait. I've been asking Ken to build me a pagola outside. So I can sit outside when it's raining or when the sun is shining. But you know, men, oh, they take their time. Always a list, you know. Ken, being a perfectionist, wants everything to be perfect. He measures a thousand times. He measures. He used the spirit level to make sure everything is level. It works on my nerves. <laughs> but, yes, as you can see, his argument is in the joints will fit perfectly. I think the next slide actually shows joints that fits perfectly. <laughs> There's days where I would have went out and to go and look at the progress, expecting to see the zinc is already up. When I go out, nothing. And I go to Ken, why? What's going on? Body language told me, turn around, walk away. And I was obedient. I listened. Otherwise, World War Three. <laughs> the next slide. And then the next one. At the end, the pagola was perfect. It looked good. No leaks, nothing. The following day, I stood under it and I looked at these joints. That must fit perfectly there. You know, God spoke to me, and he said to me, My child, no one needs to be perfect for me to love him. Not even you. I love everyone as they are. I'm going to read it again because, you know what? This is awesome. God loves all of us. doesn't matter how you are, who you are, or what place you are at. He said, my child, no one needs to be perfect for me to love you, them. I love everyone as they are. God loves us. We, with our imperfections, and with that sometimes we feel God's far away, he's not. I'm going to look at three points tonight, showing you what people went through in their lives and how God used the imperfectionist of people to actually fulfill his purpose. The first point is people in the Bible who were not perfect. God used them. It's actually quite a lot. Second one is lessons to be learned from our wrong choices. Do we learn from them? Yeah. The third one is, how do we turn back and move forward in Jesus? The first one I'm going to look at is people in the Bible who were not perfect, and God still used them for his purpose. The Bible was written from people that were like you and me. They were mothers, fathers, they had families, they feared, they had weaknesses, 
they made wrong choices. Nothing different than us today. The only difference is we can learn from their mistakes. You know what the Bible emphasizes? Is that he doesn't forsake us. He still loves us. The first one I'm going to look up, I'm going to look at four people. I couldn't go for more. Otherwise, we will sit here the whole night. The first one is Adam and Eve. They gave in to temptation. And they disobeyed God. Because why? They ate from the fruit which God said, don't. Don't touch it and you will die. Did God kill them? No, he didn't. He actually made them close to cover themselves up. A God that doesn't love won't do that. Eve became the mother of the living. Through her seed came the one who crushed the head of the serpent, who procured life and salvation for all of us. The second one is Jacob and Esau. Jacob stole. He stole stole Esau's blessing from his dad by trick when he tricked Isaac in thinking he's uh, Jacob to bless him. What did God do? He didn't say, hey, go, you've done wrong. No, no. He appeared in a dream to Jacob. He blessed Jacob. He blessed his descendants and his offsprings to come. And he also said to Jacob at the end, I will, at the, I'll protect you. And you can read that in Genesis 28 when he says, I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. It's amazing. Then Moses, he killed the Egyptian. For, and then he fled to Midian. Forty years later, God commissioned him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. What better job can that be? No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Then the last person is Saul, which became Paul later. He was the head persecutor of the earlier Christians that time. He witnessed and agreed to the stoning of Stephen. What did God do? He didn't say to him, you killed my people, I'm going to kill you. No, he appeared to him, he converted him. And he became one of the great apostles of the time. He authored 13 books in the New Testament, although there's 27, but 13 is a lot. And we still use them up to today. What can we learn from this then? It doesn't matter what choices we make in life, what dark places we've been or are at. Know this, Jesus loves you. He honestly wants to have a relationship with you. The second one I'm going to look at is lessons to be learned from our wrong choices. God uses the times when we do something wrong. We mustn't put it that way. In our weaknesses, he turns that around 
to fo- turn our eyes and our focus back onto him. A good example out of the Bible is the book of Esther. Nebuchadnezzar took some of the Israelites into captivity. When Cyrus took over, he signed the decree to allow some of the Israelites to go back to Jerusalem. But they didn't all go back. A lot of them stayed behind in the Persian Empire. But after 70 years being there, they enjoyed life there. They made families, they made friends, so they didn't want to go back. They were living in a pagan world among all the pagans, actually forgetting what Jesus did for them, not worshipping him anymore and do their own things. Then Haman signed a decree to destroy all the Jews. What did God do? He turned that around So the Israelites fasted for three days, repenting of what they've done, forgetting about God, and acknowledging that they need to follow God regardless of what. And we know the outcome. They were saved. Nothing happened to them. Each of us has got a personal story to tell as well how Jesus used us in our wrongdoings to turn us around. I was stubborn, sometimes still, but I am, and I was, and I've learned the hard, hard way. She says something close to me. You see, nine years ago, we came to New Zealand, nearly ten years ago, but two or three years before, and Jesus told me, we're going to immigrate. Now, New Zealand has never, never been on my radar. It was Canada and all these other places. Never New Zealand. But God had other plans. We ended up in New Zealand. So small. But we're here. When we arrived here, I couldn't adjust. I was missing home, I was missing family, I was missing my Bible group, my support group, and I did struggle. And we were here for quite a year, close to a year, when I said to God, you know what, give me a sign that we need to stay here, then I'll stay. He gave me a sign. That afternoon there was a knock on the door, when I opened it, it was a courier giving us our letters, to say we've been granted permanent residence in New Zealand. No. No. (laughs) Instead of being happy and thanking God for what he's done to me, I went the opposite. I didn't want to be here. So what do I do? Got on a plane. Ken stayed behind to finish his work. Thinking now back on it, it was God's hand in it. I was sitting in the plane. We were still in Auckland 
the plane hasn't even taxied out to go on the runway. God spoke to me. And he said to me, I'm sorry. Charmaine, you are making a big mistake. This is not what I've planned for you. That was hard. There I was sitting on a plane I couldn't get off. God spoke to me. Flying back to South Africa is not just four hours. <laughs> I had that where God spoke to me, and I couldn't turn back. I couldn't find Ken to say to him what happened. Couldn't get off the plane. But there was something good out of that. It gave me time to speak to God. It gave me time to repent. And it gave me time for all, to ask his forgiveness. That day, I've made a promise to God. I remember the day. It was the 29th of July, 2008, when I said to God, I will follow you. I will serve you. I will let the Holy Spirit lead me. I will tell others about you. And I will teach others about you because you are amazing. And now, it's not about Charmaine anymore or my stubbornness. It's about Jesus and his love and his will. For, not just for me, but for everyone. That was a wrong choice I've made and God turned that around for the better. Look where I am today. <laughs> Talking about him. So how do you move forward in Jesus? Knowing God loves you. You know what God says to me? I must go to you and say to you, he loves you unconditionally. I don't know why. He just said I must say that. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown us. You or me will always be there. So what do we do? We know he will never disown us. He loves us. We repent. We repent, repent, repent. Repent is something very close to me. I've been there, done it, and I do it quite a lot. I homeschool my kids, so I need to repent daily. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when you repent, you're acknowledging in front of God, to God, your mistakes. And you need to do that. And you need to do it openly. Because God said in Acts 3.19, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times 
of refreshing might come from the Lord. You need to acknowledge your, cho- your wrong choices. Pick up your Bible and read it. You need to build a relationship with Jesus. I want to know more about Diane, and we want to all build a relationship. I need to make an effort to know Diane more. I can't, or Linda, I need to go out of my way to know more about them. The same as you. You want to build a relationship with Jesus. You need to open that Bible and read more about Jesus. Amen. (laughs) See, if if you know Jesus, you know he loves you, you know his character, you will know and believe in him. You will have faith. You will have trust. You will get wisdom from him, and he will lead you. And his Holy Spirit does stir you up when you make a wrong choice. Believe me. Another one is strongholds. You know, I'm actually going to read you 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. From the NLT. It says, We use God's mighty weapons, not not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You see, fear and worries and lies make strongholds in our minds that Satan is putting there. Looking for a tissue. Please. Crying is not good. (laughs) Satan comes, come. And he attacks on our mind, making us believe that we're not worthy or God, that Jesus doesn't love us or that we're not perfect enough to be loved by Jesus. That's not true. We need to fight those strongholds with verses out of the Bible. Know some Bible verses. The one I use quite a bit, actually, especially when I'm nervous, is 2 Timothy 1.7. God did not give me a spirit of intimidity. <laughs> intimidity. He gave me a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And you know what? I declare it, and I pronounce it, and I say it, and I shout it. And you do feel better. Fight the enemy with Bible verses. Why not? You can. Try it. It's nice. Especially now you've got the authority to do it. Because we are perfect in God's eyes. I'm going to end with this saying, we all make wrong choices in life. doesn't matter who you are, we all got a story to tell. 
and how God turned that around. We mustn't believe what Satan is putting in our minds. He's just destroying that. He's actually stealing our time away from God to build up that personal relationship with Jesus. I'm encouraging you to repent. Turn to Jesus. Turn your focus back to him. He loves you as you are. You know what? That relationship with him is absolutely wonderful. Tonight I invite you, if you've got obstacles, a burden, you made a wrong choice, to come forward, we can pray for you. To receive Jesus' love and go forward in it. Be an example for the people outside so that they can see how Jesus worked through you. That will make them hunger and make them wonder what happened in your life. And you know what? It opens the door for you to invite them into the kingdom of God. I'm going to end with this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us regardless of who or what we are, of what we've done in life. Jesus, you know everything about us. You know our past, our present, and our future. Yes, there are things we would like to be different, but that belongs in the past. I ask for your forgiveness and thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray for your grace upon us and your blessings over us, over the church and over all the churches in Tiamutu, in New Zealand and over Tiamutu. Lord, and be, let your name be glorified. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.